we surrender. We surrender all. I'm going to do something we don't normally do here. I don't know the words. Freely. Let's do the chorus. Sing. 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 I surrender all. I surrender all. Little CC wine. It's all to him, my blessed Savior. I the spirit moves we let it amen let's give God some praise today if you're thankful we can praise him in this house today it's good to be out of the heat and in the presence of God's air conditioning amen listen on your way to your seat find seven people and say God is changing the outcome you want to see a change go find seven people and do it differently this time come on now God is changing the outcome. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Love this church. We have the best people in this church. I know we got good people at 1C Church. Come on. Give yourself a round. You can pat yourself on the back because together we are the church. No people, no church. I want to tell you one quick thing before I tell you some more things. Before I tell you the other things, I'm going to tell you this quick thing. August 11th. Come on, somebody. August 11th. 2 p.m. at an undisclosed location that you can find after you say you want to come. We just don't want to say it on camera. We don't want to say the address on camera. It's in the metro, it's in the county. It's, isn't even, it's not even in the same county, I don't know. It's north, 20 minutes. We, August 11, 2 p.m. after church, we're gonna be baptizing several people and we're going old school in a pond. We're trying to replicate the Jordan River or the Sea of Galilee. It's the best we got. We do with what the best we have. We do with what the best we have. God will give us something better. It's God's pond. It's got trees. It's God's rash. Oh, oh, sorry about that. So I get this invite. So real quick before I go there. 2 p.m. August 11th. If you're interested in getting baptized or you want to come witness something special, you're all invited. Oncechurch.org slash events. Baptism Sunday, August 11, 2 p.m. You can register if you want to get baptized or you can just come and join us as one body as people get cleansed by the word of God in the water, the cleansing of, born of the water. John 3, Jesus, Nicodemus, we talked about it, you know. So anyway, so I get this invite yesterday. 
hey, I got some farmland that needs a little work. And ironically, it's near this baptism. Go figure. And he says, it's just some moving some trees and cutting some trees and driving equipment, a four-wheeler. I knew what a four-wheeler was. I learned to clutch on a four-wheeler back in the day. I'm not that bad. So he says, yeah, you know, it's going to be hot. Let's do the 630 thing. Meet me at Hardy's. I'll get you some coffee because that's great for hydration. And, and we'll get you a biscuit. And we're going to go out and do some stuff on this field. And ironically, they have a pond on this field too. It was like so similar to what I foresee in August. It's like, you know, you got you to gotta be willing to work the ground if you want to reap the harvest. You know, if you're not willing to work the ground, don't be mad when the harvest doesn't have the biscuits you want to eat. Okay? Okay? Sometimes you just got to take what's available for some nutrition. But anyway, so we get the biscuit. We, get, we, got, we got some people. We got some people. And they had, na they had names. It was uh, Nathan. There was a guy named Nathan, and there was a guy named Aaron. And, and I'm not talking about Aaron, Moses' brother from the Old Testament. He's long gone, but God be with him. And we're talking about Aaron. He's, there's a guy named Aaron and a guy named Nate. And they, they know what they're doing. And then there's me. Is it? I would say I'm a, I'm a suburbanized human being. Hunting to me is you go buy the meat and you throw it on the smoker from the grocery. That's raw, man. We're going to cook it. We're going to cook it on the smoker, guys. Anyway, so, so I go, okay, you know, flip-flops are the best thing ever invented, you know. But this is going to be some hard labor. I better wear tennis shoes and no flip-flops today. So I get there in the wild forest. They got a road, thank God, finally. Finally got some gravel up in that. I hear some Christian hip-hop music. I don't know what's going on, guys. I'm like, is this the rapture? I don't know what's going on. And, and I'm surrounded by Aaron. Aaron, not Moses' brother, the other Aaron. And, and, and Nathan, and not that Nathan. And, um, and, and I see big old boots to the ankles, and I see my tennis shoes. Like, hmm, maybe I'm underprepared. And then they get out some big old heavy-duty gloves. And I'm thinking, I didn't bring any gloves, like a Michael Jackson glove. Like, what do we do with those? I'm feeling really unqualified at this point, okay? And I said, I could pray or something. What am I supposed to do here? She talked to me like a kid, Nate, because I don't know what I'm doing. I said that. I said, tell me, tell me what you need me to do like I'm a kid, and I'll do it. You're the boss. Aaron, you're the boss. So we get in the, we get in the trees, and Nate pulls out this thing like Jason, the guy with the mask, and I'm like, what is going on now? They're going to they're gonna kill me out here and I can't have church tomorrow. What is going on? He says, no, we're going to cut trees down. Oh, you're going to do it too. I said, no, 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 no. I can barely use a knife. You've seen the injuries I've had on my hands, the trailer and all these things. I can't be cutting no trees with a chainsaw. So as I'm standing there, I feel something crawling up my back. <laughs> I went camping once. I think it's a tick. Is that a tick? I pull it out and I see these. I see these arms and his face and it's looking at me and say, yes, I was eating you. And I said, Jesus Christ Almighty, what do I do? And Aaron said, did you spray yourself? I said, what, what do you mean? I got some spray. Come over here, boy. Whoosh, pulls me across the, no, he didn't do that. Gives me some spray. I, I spray myself. See, they knew because they had done this. They were experienced with the boots, the gloves, and the spray, and the chainsaw. And the other weapons we won't talk about. Protection, you never know. Could be a real Jason that jumps out at you. 
and we're in the trees, and, and then get this, guys. So, so they give me the four-wheeler, and they say, okay, you can drag the trees out so you don't kill yourself with a tree falling on your head. But then, so I, I get down, I'm starting to use the four-wheeler, and, I'm, and, I'm, and it's fun, you know, it's automatic. I mean, there's nothing to it. And I'm driving, I'm driving the four-wheeler out, and, and Nathan, the prophet, says, says there's this baby tree right smack in the middle of everything. Just don't hit the tree. But he's giving me these mega trees to pull across, you know, in, in 10 inches. And he doesn't want me to hit the little baby tree for, for, for later. We're saving the oak or something. So now I'm being told how to do it with finesse. And I can barely drive the thing without getting my pants stuck in the, in the chain of the, of the four-wheeler and the chain dropping behind the thing. And then, and then I didn't have gloves, so I'm getting splinters. And next thing I know, I got this rash on my arm. And they, they say it's not poison ivy, but it sure looks like it. And I'm going to go home and don't hug me today. I don't have any baggage with this. I'm feeling unqualified, Jim. I feel useless, okay? So then they're like, it's time. Aaron says, come over here, PJ. What's that? Okay, way to be respectful, Aaron, as they almost drop a tree on my head. They said, you're going to cut down this tree with this chainsaw. I love this. He says, if I tackle you, know it's out of love and it was for your own good. I said, I'm good with that. I said, tackle me, man, because I don't know when to bail out. So, so we're cutting a tree, and I'm doing like a hacksaw, you know, where you got to do one of these. And, and they're like, no, it's a chainsaw. It does it for you. So, so they're showing me how you just kind of hold it. And uh, so that one went down okay. But then there's this other one where they got me chained up, and they said, okay, go slow. I start to go, and the tree is supposed to fall that way. Okay, this is a big tree now. This death, okay, early death. It's supposed to fall that way. And as I start to go slow, it starts to, it's coming my way. For real, it's coming towards me. And I'm like, you said go slow, but I want to go fast. And then they're like, go fast, go fast, go fast. And I go, and then the tree gets out of my way. But for a minute there, it was nighty night, forever. The tree was coming towards my head. But, through the, but I learned a lot. It was great. And I just can't wait to do it again, Saturday. Can't wait to go back Saturday. We're clearing some trees just for the heck of it just for the heck of it, because there's such a nice view of this pond we want to look at and be able to walk to without people freaking out and thinking of Stand By Me movie scenes. So, we, uh, so the whole time I'm feeling unqualified. Like, I don't, I don't know how to offer any type of leadership in this. I don't know how to be useful. I actually was being more useful by standing there and watching them do all the work for a period. But before I knew it, they had me doing things that I didn't know I could do. They had me pulling trees out. I was dragging them out myself. The chain broke, Dave, and I put the chain back on like a big boy. I didn't need Nate to come over and run and save me and rechain the tree. I got to figure it out after a couple hours. He did heal me. He heard someone run, spider? Yell spider. And I said, let's just be honest. There's only one person who's going to yell spider in this situation, and it's not you two. But I was over it after I ran and grabbed a tissue. But so many times, it was actually awesome. Can't wait to go back. See the scars, the stripes? There was weeping and gnashing of branches across my body. But Jesus paid it all so I can, I can deal with a little rash and a little scrapey scrapes. But so many times in life, we limit where we can go because of a criterion that has yet to be met by the world's expectation. I can't get that job. I can't get it. Because I don't qualify. I can't get into college because my grades don't qualify. Come on, y'all with me? 
My talent is not strong enough to meet the level of expectation to be professional of that because I don't qualify. But God so often uses our weaknesses to magnify his strength. When his strength works through us, we are no longer bound by the limits of this life, but become qualified by virtue of his eternal plan. It's his plan that will qualify you, not your plan. Part of the secret to seeing that come to fruition in our life is the notion of yielding when we should. Knowing to yield and then doing it when we should. It's a two-lane road about to become one and someone has to let the other car in. We've talked about this. Are you the car that races to be first? Come on now. Or do you slow down and trust you will get your turn when you relax and let things happen naturally? Slow and steady. Patient, but purposeful. If we go to Matthew chapter four, we're gonna look at three verses today. Gave you like so many chapters the last few weeks. We're gonna stream it down today and give you all a break because there's enough meat in these three verses. That's all we need for today. It says in verse 18, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, Simon Peter, and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then he, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately, everybody say immediately, left their nets and followed him. The title of this message today is unqualified, unqualified. They're fishermen and they immediately, it didn't say they said, how about tomorrow? Mm, I don't know if I want to. They yielded immediately because they knew something was different. They left their nets and became fishers of men and followed him. Follow me and I will make you who are fisher man. You're a fisher pro. I'm gonna make you a fisher of something else. I'm going to take your talent and multiply it to do more in the kingdom with my plan for you. My plan will take your talent and multiply it to magnify my will for your life, says God. It's an eternal plan. And that's when you have to know how to yield. And your faithfulness to God, this is really good, your faithfulness to God will qualify you to walk where the world says you are not qualified to go. Come on, who believes it? Come on, if you believe it, you can go where the world says you can't. The world says you won't succeed. But with God, all things are possible. The God will qualify you in the process. He dropped his net and he left. He didn't discuss it and debate him and tell him why he can't. But God, I'm just a fisherman. I can't go. I ran out of worms today or whatever. I know that's probably, probably biblically ignorant. They didn't use worms. Someone, someone lashed at me a few, like last year because I said something about them uh, debating what kind of bait to use. It was a joke, people. He's like, they didn't use that kind of bait you were talking about. I'm like, dude, it's just a joke, man. Did you get the bigger part? Like we're trying to save souls here. He didn't use that kind of bait. Okay, anyway, I'm not bitter. I don't have any baggage from it. It just popped up again in my head when I talked about it. So I'm going to let it go. I'm giving it freely to the Lord. 
But Peter didn't say, man, I'll, I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't, I don't think I'm qualified. I don't, he said, okay, period. So did Andrew, his brother. Multiple people were dropping their nets, dropping what they were doing to follow because they saw something different. And in a world that's all about statistics and cultural failures, we're against the odd culturally. We're against the odds. You can't do it because of your situation. I can't. I can't. Quit saying can't and replace it with won't. It's a choice. And it takes steps. And we're against the odds. And when the odds tell us we can't, we start believing we can't. But with Peter, he knew he could. He didn't know how. He said, well, I can fish, but whatever you want me to do, God, use me. And that's how God starts molding. Peter was like clay, and clay is moldable, which lets you be promoted, like Timothy. He didn't speak eloquently. He didn't know the word like Paul. But God said, drop your nets and follow me, and immediately they followed. According to Peter's cultural standards, he was average at best. I mean, so he can catch a couple of fish. We'll go use him when we need fish. But God sees what he needed and says, I will use your fish finding skills to find man's souls to save. God will use it on a higher level. Do you feel limited? If you feel limited, you don't have to raise your hand or you can, but do you feel limited by what the world says you can achieve? You feel limited. It's like a, it's like you're getting a beat down all the time mentally. You're not good enough. You don't qualify. You shouldn't be here. When you look this way and you talk this way and you present this way, then you're welcome. But that's backwards and that's not how Jesus drew disciples. He drew the potential they had. He based it on the potential, not where they were. Have you stopped following your dreams because statistics say you will fail? You know the greatest successes come out of worldly failure? Nobody got it right the first time. The KFC guy had like a thousand no's before someone bought his recipe, and it's okay. But he kept pushing, pushing, and after a thousand no's, the colonel got his recipe sold. Nobody gets it right on the first time, but through failure, there is tremendous growth in anything. It's not really a failure. That's just what the world calls it. It's called growth. It's actually opportunity that produces growth through trial and error. When we get up here and we do this, when we started church in January 2018, we didn't really know what to expect. And there's some things you can forecast and there's some things you can't. And you say, as we start the process, we will adjust because there's variables that you won't be able to forecast. And that's what we've been doing. And we are producing and we are growing. And we are so thankful for the team God has provided because of this faithfulness concept to just follow God and be a vessel. And God will start pulling potential out of you. And you will be on another level that you didn't even see the change happening because it was so fast. You look back and go, man, look how I was a year ago. Look how I talked to people a year ago. Look how I thought about myself a year ago. Look at my confidence level a year ago. Look how angry I got a year ago. Look at how I just wanted to get in and out a year ago. And now look how I just want to pour into people. God changes your heart through the process. And the world says you can't be changed. But your faithfulness to follow God will qualify you to go where the world says you can't. Where the world says you're disqualified. The whole thing with odds, I always think it's funny because there is no such thing as odds with God. It's either God's will or it's not. 
There's no odds. Man, man came up with this idea of odds. You're against the odds. But when you find God's will, there is no such thing as odds. Otherwise, building a church would be crazy. <laughs> Who would do that? You, you know what's involved? It's crazy. Who would? If it's God's will, it's fine. It'll succeed. It takes the pressure off when you know, am I in God's will? If I am, I don't have to sweat it. Peter didn't have to say, if I don't fish, how am I going to feed myself? He says, I know God's a provider and Jesus will give me what I need. So if I drop my net right now, I don't have to worry about it. I am good. You know? You guys with me? He will. That's what faith is. Starting the journey without seeing the end. That's what faith is. God will take, excuse me, he'll take that faith and multiply it. Living beyond that barrier of men is the sweet spot. Everybody say, sweet spot. With God. It's the sweet spot with God. Living beyond that barrier of, I can't. They say I can't. They have to approve what I'm allowed to do with my life. That's crazy. No one's in control of your life. You and God, it's a team. God's in control, but your willingness to yield is, determines where you will go. Growth happens in that place you dare to walk without the fear of failure. There's gonna be nerves and anxiousness when you go out on a limb, but fearing it and consuming, being consumed by that fear will just stress you out. You, you live and learn. Even in a failure, there's growth. And Peter had a secret. He had a special gift. He was always willing to fail by the world's standard to get promoted in his walk with God. That's why he just said, I'm gone. He was always kind of free, free with the mouth. We know that. Remember, he jumped out on the water and he got scared and he started to sink. He doubted it, but he jumped out on the water first when God said, come, walk on the water. And he did. See, there was something about Peter, his boldness to go do it. He showed up. How many of us don't show up when we get the invite because we think we can't? So then we find a reason to not show up. God's got an open door waiting for you to show up and take you somewhere, and it's up to you to walk through it. He's looking for moldable clay, doing it his way way he wants some clay that he can do it his way thanks nate all that boost mo boost radio you got me listening to yesterday's got me rapping if you want to call it that it's not good i didn't say it was <laughs> the, rap, the rap great when you when you're in any type of leadership and you want to build a team the greatest resources are the ones that let you leverage their potential but did you see that it's a team thing the leader has to see it in the person. The person has to allow the leader to take them a direction. A lot of times, a leader has seen it before. So they know where the person has the potential to go before the person does. God is our leader. And he knows where you're able to go because he made us. But if you fight God when he tries to take you there, I can't do it. You're disqualifying yourself. Okay? You're disqualifying your own walk from something God says, I got you. Why did you doubt on this water when I said walk? It's good, Peter. Why? Well, that's something we all struggle with. Peter was not stuck in his own abilities. That's why he was awesome. He wasn't, um, I don't say I know it all. He wasn't um, 
So confident in what he did that he challenged God back on what God's will for him. He knew to yield to the calling like clay so God could shape him. We talk about, you know, George. You guys remember George? He's come up at church a few times. George is the imaginary person. There's no real George in this, so don't, don't think I'm talking about an actual person. I'm talking about the mentality that George, George is always telling you why they can't progress. Every time you see George, well, they did this to me. And that church wasn't there for me when I was going through a rough time. And they, they said, my, I don't have enough qualifications to get that job. And, and I've been burdened with this, this life. I've been burdened with this problem. And no one knows what it's like to live like me because I, 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 and I. You see the problem? You see a problem? I is the focus. Always. I can't or I won't because I'm disqualifying with my own carnal thinking of what I am capable of doing. But Peter wouldn't do that. So if you are doing that, you're not being like Peter. If you want to go where God wants to take you, you have to say, I will because he loves me and I will do whatever he says and let God have his way with my clay. Okay? He didn't challenge him. He dropped his net immediately, it says, and followed. It takes a willingness to yield. And George never can change. He never sees a change. He goes spinning in the same circle day after day, year after year, decade after decade, and he's always telling the same story because George keeps disqualifying himself when God is saying, I'm going to qualify you through potential you have, but you won't let me pull it out of you, George. So George never changes. I've been George many times. But after a few times, you start seeing it takes a willingness to yield. If you're not willing to yield, you're basically saying, I have to give the approval, God. Uh, yielding says, I, you don't need my approval. I'll do what you say. Approval says, I'll do it when I agree that that's what's best for me, God. You see the difference? One is putting God as an equal. One is saying, you are my master, and I know you know what's best for me, and I will yield because that's what you have for me, and I want to follow what's best for me, not what I want, but what you want. Not my will be done, but your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Until I don't like it. Until he says, do it without two cups of caffeine at 6.30 in the morning, and there's ticks. Spiders. My biscuit was salty. Never had Hardy's breakfast. They got a pretty good menu. You guys might check it out. It was a nice um, alternative to McDonald's breakfast, even though McDonald's is all day. Yeah, it's a good thing. It takes a willingness to yield. If you're always fighting to be first, fighting to get in the lane first, fighting God to tell him what you know best, that's what George does. It takes a willingness to yield, and Peter was willing. Are you willing to yield to God in your lane merge with your eternal plan from the heavens? Or do you want to keep fighting for first place, and then you run off the road again? Until next time, if you want change, do it differently this time. 
Peter yielded immediately. Quit telling yourself you can't, but let the reins of God take control. Here's something else I see even in my children. The greatest inspiration for preachers is their children. Believe it or not, it's pretty amazing what God will do with a six-year-old. Did you know you can so qualify yourself in one area that you can miss where God is trying to qualify you in the right area? You tracking with me? You can, you can be so confident that you're so qualified to be doing this over here that God's trying to actually take you here and you don't even see it because you're so full of qualifications here. Like Colton, my son. He's six. He comes out last night. It's like 10 o'clock, okay? They go to bed by nine. And then there's like the, can you hug me one more time? Can you, can you tickle me? It goes on for like 30 minutes. One more. Can you come back and tell mom to come in? Mom comes in. Tell dad to come in. It just keeps going, right? And that's a good thing. You want, you want that. After the fifth time, you start to get a little, no, I'm not coming back. Don't ask daddy back for a hug. If I hug you one more time, that's it, son. But that's not why I'm telling you this story. I'm telling you the story because he's out in the hallway and I'm down in the kitchen. I don't know, getting a drink of water, probably eating something I shouldn't be eating because it's late at night. You know, that's what good pastors do is they make themselves sick on sugar and cookies spiritual, inspiring, things like that. And he goes, Dad, Kaylee's out of her room. How do you know? Why aren't you in your room? With the door shut, in your bed, little boy. Taz. You know Taz is his nickname. He says she keeps cracking her door and making noise. I said, it's not your job, Colton, to take care of her. When you're breaking your own rule here, we told you to go in your bed. See, he felt dignified and qualified to tell me that she was breaking the rules as he did it himself. You see that? We, we, can, we can saturate ourselves with the wrong things and say, we got it, we're doing good, but we're actually hurting ourselves. And there he is, disobeying mom and dad again. Because he thinks he's doing good. He thinks he's achieving good, and he's actually hurting himself. So we can let our qualifications, even at six years old, even at 60 years old, even at 40 years old, even at 30 years old, say that we got it and we're going to go put our time here and this is how I'm going to change my life. And God's saying, but over here is where I want you to yield and you won't yield to me. So really, you're going to end up the same, George. And it happens. It doesn't always happen immediately. It may take 20 years to see it happen. Where did my time go with my kids? While well, I was sleeping on the floor, not coming home for work, I even showered there because I lived at my, I lived there and I, I didn't put time here and all these things. And I wondered where those memories goes because there wasn't any and, and on and on. And, 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 and I didn't, I never spoke to my wife and, and I never was there. And, and uh, I don't spend any time with my kids and, and on and on. And I don't treat people good and on and on. But, but I dignify, I, I, I qualify why I should be bitter. My church did this to me. They left me when I needed them the most. Maybe you were impossible to deal with. Maybe they tried to help you, but you're impossible, relentless, obsessive, compulsive, that you drove people out of your life. That happens. But we feel qualified to say, it's them. It's them. Peter said, no, it's no one else. I'm going. I have a choice. It's not I can't. It's that I won't, but I will, says Peter. It's a willingness to yield. Ask God to take you to a new place, but you have to follow there. He's not going to deliver it like Amazon or shipped or the new Deerberg service we use where they bring our groceries. He's not going to do that, even though it's an awesome service. If you want lunch meat today, they'll bring it. But that's not how God does it. Peter had a fervent heart and was 
compassionate. The world saw a fisherman, but God saw a kingdom builder. You see, he saw where Peter was able to go, not where he was. God sees you of where you're able to go, not where you're at, not where you've been. Quit living by where you've been. God sees you for where he's going to take you. Don't you want to live by that? There's joy in that. There's, there's, there's misery in living in the past. The devil, want you to live, the devil wants you to live in the past. God wants you to live where he wants to take you, in the potential of your faithfulness. You'll find purpose by seeking without condition. Take away the condition, trust God, and he will reward you. For he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You gotta seek He's not a ship delivery service. He's not Amazon one day now. He's not an Amazon, he's, he's more like an Amazon storage locker. You gotta drive to it now. Now they got one down the street. You can drive to it. Be faithful versus the home delivery, which is the only way I do it. I'm not driving to one of those things. Nate, I'm not. It takes 10 minutes. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> the ability to yield is a conscious decision, okay? You have to say, am I yielding to where God's trying to take me? Or am I only willing to do what I want to do with God's kingdom, with my family, with my job, with all my things? It takes a conscious awareness that you're incomplete without him. If you feel complete and self-sufficient, you're not yielding because you will want to yield when you know you need him. When you know you need your mama when you're a baby, what do you do? You cry out for mommy because you know you need them. You yield to whatever mom says to do at that point when you hit that level. Now, when you feel good, like Kaylee, and she thinks she can break all the rules because she's got it together until she falls down the steps, then she wants a hug because she knows now she needs something greater. But she's got it all figured out, that little three-year-old. No, she's four. Oh, geez. She's just turned four. All our kids have got the same letter name, C's. They're all close in age. So I forget sometimes. It's pretty funny. I have to go through it like a checklist. Yielding is going second, knowing your strength is greater than you. And before you can yield, you must see the need for Jesus. Quit putting him off. What if tomorrow never happens? I mean, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just being real. A lot of us have been here. A lot of us has, has got to know God a little bit. But this is, this is life, and life has no guarantee. And you can, we can talk about it. You can play along the fence line, or you can get in the flock. But until you get in the flock, God can't draw potential out of you. He's got potential he wants to draw out of you. Here at church, in life, everywhere, he wants to use your potential. But you got to quit hanging out by the fence line, talking to the, you know, what is it, cows? He wants you to get in the flock. Then he's going to go have you tell the cows how great God is. That's a strange analogy. I agree. But we won't follow where we aren't willing. See, it's a decision. We aren't willing to go. I just talked to someone recently, someone very close to me, and they, they were George. Well, I can't because. They can't because. They quit saying can't makes me crazy. If you say can't one more time, I can't, I can't talk to you. 
There's no room for improvement. It's impossible to improve. I can't. It can't. Well, you are basically creating your own destiny at this point. You keep disqualifying from taking any steps of faith. Do something about it. Be faithful. And if you don't believe and aren't willing, you won't drop your net and follow like Peter. It takes a change here to get you to, get you to do this in a different direction. But that willingness to yield is what creates a harvest that allows you to reap God's way. You'll start reaping God's way. You'll quit reaping your way, which was actually saturating your grounds with toxic material. As Nate would love this analogy, it's like putting Roundup on an organic farm. You don't do it. And if you want your garden to grow and have a nice fresh produce, quit putting the world's Roundup on God's garden. Over and over. It looks better for a second, but what happens? Quits producing. The weeds go away, but so does the good things. So does the fruit. You want to reap it God's way. There's no shortcut. It takes wholehearted investment. There's no shortcut in anything. You want to, you want to, you want to work yourself into the ground and make all the money and be miserable? It, 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 there's no shortcut. You work yourself into that. You put it all in. You want to see God's your fulfillment in God come to life through, through total submission? You can find that too, reaping God's way by full submission, fully following. You don't even need your net. Isn't it funny? He didn't take his net with him. Don't you think he would have thought, maybe I'll need this? He left everything. Isn't that funny? He left his Yeti. I wouldn't be leaving no Yeti with some coffee in it. He left the Yeti too? Wow. He left everything because he knew God had everything in control. You want to reap God's way. Remember Peter doubted on that water, but he jumped on the water when God said, God wants you to walk on the water, get out of the boat. God wants to take your limited abilities and make it limitless for him and his purpose. What you thought was a failure, God says, no, I'm using that. You don't even know that you're able to witness to that person who just came in the doors because that happened to you. You're going to bless them and save them years of heartache because you know how they feel. And I'm going to use that to touch them. Do you know that? It's not about you. It's about you at first. But when you get off the milk and you're ready for the meat, now it's time to feed some sheep. And you're going to take those experiences that you thought were poison and you're going to teach the next person, one seed at a time. You'll start reaping God's way. As you reap, you give more. We've talked about it. If you want to keep reaping, you got to keep planting. You got to keep cultivating. He has a harvest for you to reap, but you have to be able to, you have to be willing to reap it his way and in his time. But I want to do this for God's kingdom. I want to do this. I'm talented here. I am highly qualified to do this. But God says, well, we need you here. We need you to do the dirty work too, just like everybody. We need you to get out and get some rash on you because everybody's got to do it. <laughs> I'm never going there again. I'm just kidding. I kind of liked it. It was really strange. I've always had this obsession with like, being challenged the part where I'm, I'm miserable, then I find some kind of sick satisfaction in it. And I felt totally useless and unqualified. And God started qualifying me through the process. Because before I knew it, I didn't need him. I had, that, I had that, the four-wheeler. I was bringing down some big trees. I was telling them how to do their jobs. No, I didn't do that. 
Maybe next time. <laughs> it's because I wanted to reap it God's way. I didn't want nothing to do with me. I wanted to get it done for God's kingdom. We're getting it done for God's kingdom. Quit disqualifying yourself because of your situation. Forget it. Forget about it. You know, you know how it goes, forget, hey, forget about it. Just tell yourself, hey, forget about it. It's silly. It's the devil's, devil's game to, to just keep you thinking on that. Think about what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next with this church? What's going to happen next with my next stage of my life? What's going to happen next when we get this, this baptism thing going? What's going to happen next when we have hundreds of people being baptized in the name of the Lord? What happens next when the community is going, what's going on? And the news is at our door going, we want to talk to you because we see lives changing. And we're the media and we don't even, we don't even like that. You know they put Hillsong on like um, Good Morning America or something? You know what a breakthrough that was? Hillsong was singing worship on like Channel 2 at prime time. See, God will break through dark clouds that try to stop you because the world can't stop God. God will penetrate the world's hearts to let you engage because God is moving the waters. He's parting the waters of doubt. He's parting the waters of the enemy trying to stop you from walking through to higher places. And he will shock you with what he will do and is going to do but we have to do it God's way and your faithfulness to follow God will qualify you to walk where the world has disqualified you from going God has ordained your purpose before the heavens if you can all stand with me as we close Peter grew to be one of the greatest leaders because he simply wanted what the Lord had for him do you today want what the Lord has for you. If you want what the Lord has for you, come on, give him a shout of praise and let him know, I want what the Lord has for me. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Try my anxieties. Search me for wickedness and bring me into the way everlasting. Come on, God. I know you can. I'll get out on this water even though there's whatever in it. I don't care, God, because I don't need my net. He's ready if you are. He's ready if you are. He won't if you won't. Oh, I feel like dancing. You don't want to see that. It's not good. But I feel like it. Because sometimes, you know, you just, you get, you get the spirit of God in this place. And it makes you want to shout a praise because you know what he can do. And it said the spirit makes intercession for your infirmity. So sometimes I don't have no words. I just got to move. I got to do something because the spirit of God is so strong. You feel the momentum of him moving through this house. But some of you have been on that fence. Some of you have been wondering, how can I go further? We'll do something different. Go a little further. Open up my arms, Lord. Open up my heart. And he will infiltrate the soil. Go do something else. Be a blessing. Take a blessing from here and give it away this week. Show, show yourself approved that you don't need your net, that God will multiply your fish with no net, but it takes a choice. Not I can't, I won't, but now I will. I wouldn't before, but now I'm going to. I'm going to take steps. I'm not going to wait for him to deliver it to my door. He's got it over here, and I'm going for it. Okay? Let's pray. God, we come to you right now. 
We are thankful that we get to be in your house and that we get to recognize the life-bearing seed of your word. And we're seeing it change hearts right now. We're seeing this church multiply by your word, by your promise. So we know that what is what is going on is a good thing. And we are going to keep spreading the word and keep blessing. And as we bless, you will give more and we'll keep reaping it your way. Today, God, touch those hearts that are unsure, that don't know what, what it's like to go beyond that, that barrier of doubt. And God, today, let them say, I don't need my net anymore. I am going to serve my God as if tomorrow will not come. And God, I will be there till the end. I will give it all to the end. I will no longer wait for you to give it my way, God. I don't need it. I don't need my net. I am here to serve you. Open arms wholeheartedly. And if the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, amen.